welcome to the Bloom Your Mind podcast, where we take all of your ideas for what you want and we turn them into real things. I'm your host, Certified Coach Marie McDonald. Let's get into it. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode number 62 of the Bloom Your Mind podcast. Strategic optimism is what we're calling this podcast. I've been thinking about it a lot. But before we dig in, I have to tell you that today, the time that worked for me this week to record my podcast is a time when my family is home. And there are like, you know, um, air compressors and nail guns that are being deployed in different areas of the house that you might hear. And more importantly, there might be some Star Wars sound effects that are going on in the other room that you overhear. I doubt you will, but you can just imagine them in your head if you can't hear them. <laughs> because there's, you know, this period of time for children where the sound effects that come out of their mouths for hours on end are just incomparable. You just, you can't find sound effects this good, my friends. Um, as those that come from the mouth of a seven-year-old who is playing with Star Star Wars Legos. So I've recorded them on my phone, on the audio app. I've recorded little videos of them. I never want to forget them. So just use your imagination to hear the sound effects of lasers and spaceships flying by behind my voice, if that brings you joy today. <laughs> Y'all, I have lined up some amazing interviews for you coming up over the next few months, six months. There's a lot of them. And I'm so excited to bring these to you. I have CEOs, small business owners, um, design thinkers, people who have led organizations and then had big things come up on uh, in their personal lives. So all of these people that are big thinkers in the world of innovation and turning ideas into real things and have done big things, all of them have personal you know, stories to share as we all do that are so inspiring. So I have people that are love experts and relationship experts, people that are innovation experts, people that have started again, small communities and businesses, some rock stars even. <laughs> you know me, I got to bring that in. And so I'm really excited for those interviews coming up to pepper in in between a lineup of really great content that I have planned for you for the coming year. I am on fire right now, my friends, and I cannot wait to bring this stuff to you. I have a whole new motivation to bring this work to the world and to as many lives as I can. So get ready and buckle up because here we go. <laughs> for today, we are talking about love. This is February when this is coming out, and we are talking about strategic optimism, but I'm going to start with the idea of love because optimism and love can be interchangeable. They can be this sort of experience of how do we bring our loving awareness to how we perceive the world around us? And when that loving awareness is something that we cultivate in ourselves, we tend to see hope in the world around us. We tend to see the beauty and the gifts and the people around us. And we tend to see that inside of ourselves. And if you've listened to many of my podcast episodes, you know that the thoughts that we think on repeat become prophecies. So when we can cultivate 
love to instill our automatic thinking with hope and strategic optimism, those prophecies play out in our lives and our lives are more filled with hope and love and optimism. So let's talk a little bit about this. I want to start with talking about the self and then I'm going to move on. If you've heard much of my work, you know that I like to think in three spheres, the self, the self and others. So like community around us and then the world. So we're going to talk about these three levels today. And I want to start with the self because everything starts with the self. I think that in our culture, we sometimes have that perspective to a problematic degree where we're very individualized and we think that our own self-growth is everything. That's not what I mean. I am a big fan of contribution. And I think that contribution and service and when we can be about more than ourselves are not only good for the world, for humanity, for our communities, for our relationships, but are very, very good for our internal sense of fulfillment and happiness. When we are in service, when we are having an impact that is positively influencing the world around us, we are happier. We are more fulfilled. We feel like we have a purpose in the world that's worthwhile. So in the Bloom Room and in my coaching programs, I really focus in a lot on how to anchor in on our purpose and our pillars, what's important to us as individuals. What is our North Star? What do we believe that's super important to us so that we can aim the efforts and the moments and the decisions of our life towards that? But it doesn't come naturally to us, that view, that idea of pointing the way that we think towards our purpose in life, navigating how we're thinking, navigating, choosing our perspective based on the values and pillars that are most important to us. It doesn't come, doesn't come naturally. And I know because I've lived it. I was really, really, really hard on myself back in the day. I had a lot of internal negativity in my younger life and that I almost lost my life to it. So I am so passionate about teaching the people around me about touching the world that I have the privilege of living in for the rest of my days with a lesson that I've learned, which is that the way that we allow our perception to shape how we act in the world is everything. It will determine everything in our lives. So I am passionate about teaching that. I used to be really, really hard on myself from my physicality, the freckles on my skin, the short stubby fingers that I saw when I looked down, the amount of muscle I easily put on. You know, none of these things matched the the way I was supposed to look in the society that I grew up in. I grew up in the 90s where everyone was supposed to be stick thin and that was really impactful to how I saw myself as a woman growing up. I used to be really hard on myself physically, on my face, on my body. When I looked down, I felt this sort of loathing inside myself long ago. And all of that has changed. If you've listened to my podcast, you know, but it took a lot of work. I also used to be really hard on my uh, sort of like the way I thought, the way I spoke, social situations. I would be hard on myself. I didn't see myself as someone that was worthy of other people's time and attention. And it took a lot of work 
to undo that. And what I will say is that when we can pause the natural negativity that we have running through our minds, the natural negative perspective that often pops up in our minds when we look at ourselves, how we're hard on ourselves, how we beat ourselves up. It is not a selfish thing. It actually makes the world a better place. And not only does it make our own experience of our own lives better, but we also treat other people in kind. So if we are that hard on ourselves, ourselves, if we are treating ourselves with harshness and a lack of compassion, that will seep out into how we perceive and treat other people. And it will seep into how we perceive and treat the world. So let me tell you that once I really did this work on myself, I started to experience this internal blooming where I was kinder to myself. I enjoyed being in my body more. I made better decisions for what I ate and drank and how I moved my body because it was coming from love. And I attracted relationships that matched that level of love. Here's what I want to say as we head into February, this month of love, which I like to actually in my own mind think of a month of, I feel like to think of it as a month of belonging instead. As we move into it, I want to define love as something that is accessible to us at any time. We often look at the people around us and we think that we can't feel love for them because of what they're doing, how they're acting, what they're saying, how annoying they are to us, whatever, or they're rubbing us the wrong way. Love is always available to us to feel towards anyone. And you know who benefits from feeling love? The person feeling it. So if there is someone that is really abrasive and hard for me to be around and I automatically feel sort of frustration and kind of annoyance at them, I am the one that experiences the annoyance inside of me. I'm the one that suffers from that. When I can feel it, process it, and then find my love for that person with boundaries in place and all of the ways that I want to sort of set up and limit their impact on my life, if they're abrasive or aggressive or whatever. But if I can still find my sense of love for that person, I am the one that benefits from that. So very often in our lives, we think that we're not going to give someone love because of how they act. That only detracts from us. So as we move from this sense of ourselves and coming to really love and bring compassion to how we think about ourselves, our bodies, our minds, who we are, because we know it will bring us more fulfillment and happiness, then we extend that out to the second circle, which is relationships, the people around us. Anyone that we can cultivate love for inside of ourselves, it benefits us. They never feel our love. They might benefit from some positive body language. There might be some energetic, whatever you believe about energy. Maybe they feel some of that buzz. But we are the ones that are at the source of whatever feeling we're generating in ourselves. So this month, get selfish. Feel love for as many people as you can. Feel love for as many organizations or entities or projects happening in the world as you can, because the more you can cultivate the vibration of love inside yourself, the more you benefit from that vibration, that feeling, that energy. And of course, it ripples out. 
I used to earlier in my marriage, when I think about this like second circle of relationships, I used to feel with my husband and I, the ways we would get annoyed at each other, I would <laughs> feel like he should really be different or he should do that a different way. Or, you know, if, if I was feeling disconnected from him because he, he was moving fast or through life really busy and not really connecting to me, I would, I would think he should, you know, be more connected to me. He should really be paying more attention to our marriage or whatever. These days, I always, whenever I start pointing the finger, Outside of myself, I force myself to pause and turn that finger back to myself. Because what I have found out is that however we are perceiving people around us is truly a mirror to what's going on inside us. So anytime I think he should be more connected, I turn it around and think I should be more connected. Before I'm ever going to talk to him about anything that I want to change, I'm going to say, how can I connect to myself more and connect to him more? Then we'll see if I actually have any requests to make of him. If I think he should be less busy and spend more time with me, I take that finger, turn it back towards myself and think, how can I be less busy and spend more time with me? How can I be less busy and spend more time with him? Every single time that I do that, love grows. My love for myself, my ability to be with myself, and I'm more of the person who I want to be in relationships. So this month, as I invite you to bring that love and belonging to yourself, that circle of just how you perceive yourself, how you cultivate that unconditional love for yourself, and then you widen it out to the next circle, I'll just invite you. To ask yourself, how can you feel more love and less blame towards the people around you? How do you want to feel about the people that you have relationships with? How do you want to feel right now? Would it feel better inside of you to like this person and feel grateful for them or to dislike them? Do you know you have the option to love people? regardless of what they're doing or not doing? And, and what's stopping you from unconditionally loving just for your own sake? Just for you to be able to experience the vibration of love in you and all the health it brings, like literally physical health, when you keep yourself in that vibration as much as you can and all the benefit that it brings to your, yourself, your brain, and your relationships. This also, my friends, works with your friends. When you think, oh, they're, me they're MIA, what the heck? Where have they been? And you take that finger and turn it back to yourself. How have I been MIA? Am I sort of like abandoning myself a little bit? And that's why I really want, want this person to be around more. Have I been MIA with them? Have I actually reached out? If so, how can I reach out again with just love, no pressure? I have no idea what's going on for them. How can I just be there in case they need anything? I heard this quote, which I've said before, but I'll say again, that abandoning ourselves is the loneliest we'll ever be. So anytime we're hard on ourselves or hard on the people around us, they're the same. We're probably, if we're hard on the people around us, 
we're probably abandoning ourselves in some way. So in this February month, this month of belonging and love, how might you abandon yourself a little bit less? And anytime you're pointing the finger at somebody else, how might you turn around and bring yourself a little bit more companionship and compassion and love? So that's what I have to say about bringing this love and belonging to ourselves and to our community. And now I want to talk and close out by talking a little bit about the world. I, I read an article this morning, again, by David Brooks, who I'm such a big fan of, and I know I've talked about before. It's called Chicken Littles are Ruining America. <laughs> you know, it says the best titles. And it's talking about sort of optimism, and pessimism, and how pessimism actually impacts our economy and culture and society as a whole. And he talks about how pessimism and blame are so strong in our world right now because we have decided, we've built this perception that when you have a negative mindset, it means you're smart and righteous. It's a sign of intelligence <laughs> that positivity is means you're not that smart. And we've gone so far in this direction that even though, you know, in this article, he talks about how the economy is actually pretty great. The GDP is growing. Inflation is plummeting. Income inequality seems to be dropping. Real wages are rising. There are lots of signifiers that say, that our economy is actually doing pretty great. Unemployment's low. The stock market is like reaching new high levels, new peaks. But many people are convinced and the conversation keeps happening, keeps being rolling over and over that the economy is just rotten. That he, in this article, Brooks gives a whole bunch of different examples of this, of how Inequality is actually leveling out in some areas. Gender gaps are leveling out. But the predominant feeling in people is that it's worse than ever. He talks about how in 1964, there was a poll that was taken asking people, in general, do you think people are trustworthy? 45% of people said, in general, yeah, we think people are trustworthy. Right now, when that uh, sort of similar analogous poll was taken, only 25% of people think that other people are in general trustworthy. So it tells us that in general, we're in this really pessimistic place. And what I know from my work is that when we focus on negativity, it inflates that negativity. It makes it bigger and it has a really negative impact on our life. because. The things that we think, the perspectives through which we see the world become prophecies. So if we think our marriage is in trouble and we talk about how our marriage is in trouble, it makes our marriage in trouble. <laughs> if we talk about, you know, if we're feeling disconnected from our spouse and we talk about how no matter what, we always make our way back to each other and how when times are hard, we always do the work and we say those things out loud and we think those thoughts, we create that and then we'll always come back to each other. And the same thing is true of our world that we're in right now. If we see everything as a shit show, <laughs> if we see the world is going down the tubes and so many irre irreconcilable differences in our society and so many problems, and we talk about that to other people all the time, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and the problems feel irreconcilable. They feel unwieldy and too big to manage. 
it becomes, there's actually a bunch of data to say that when society is, is in a more negative space, it creates economic downturn. So every one of us can start becoming a part of a solution to where we are right now by practicing strategic optimism. And we can start this month in the month of love and belonging. Every single one of us can take responsibility for the prophecies that we're creating by how we're thinking and talking. We can do it on the level of ourselves by taking responsibility of belonging to ourselves, loving ourselves. So where do you need a little bump in how you're talking to yourself? Where do you need a little brightness in how you're treating yourself? Maybe you give yourself a wink when you wake up in the morning or a high five in the mirror. Maybe you look down at your body and you feel grateful for having feet that carry you around and eyes that see. Maybe after a conversation with someone, you force yourself to look at what you liked about how you showed up and what you said. How can you create a prophecy of a little bit more love for yourself by thinking thoughts that are based in the beauty that you see in yourself? And then when you expand that out to your community, your work, your schools, your friends, your relationships, I just invite you this month to intercept the thoughts that are criticisms. Just pause for a minute. Intercept those criticisms of the people you're closest to, of the environment you're in, of the way that other people think. Pause and then refocus and ask yourself, where do you see some hope? If you focus on the hope, it will get bigger. If you focus on what you like, it will get bigger. I know because I've been there. I've lived it. Back in my 20s, when I focused on all the things that I didn't like about myself, they got bigger and bigger and bigger until they almost took my life. And the more work I did to find the things I loved about myself and the people around me and the world, the bigger those things got. Take it from someone who has survived the mental spiral of negativity. It is worth it. All it takes is a pause and a question. A pause in the negative thought and the question, what do I appreciate? Where is there some hope? What do I like? What do I love? Look for what you love because love and hope and optimism are self-fulfilling prophecies too. And they all start on the inside of every single one of us. But the ripples that they have when they combine with the ripples from the people around us, they change the world. So let's create February as a month of belonging in ourselves, in our relationships, and in the world. I love you all. And I will see you next week. Thanks for hanging out with me, friends. If you like today's episode and you want more of them, please take two minutes right now to subscribe and give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Then send this episode to a friend. See you next time.